flying around town shouting from the hills like oh we're if we're gonna do this we're gonna do it right you know we're gonna we're gonna go all out it's gonna be ios it's gonna be android we're gonna have an app for the venue too we're gonna spend all this money and it's gonna be the coolest thing ever and then we were smacked down pretty hardcore when we eventually made our way into the startup community and realized that's not how you do this in this episode, we'll talk to Mitch and Matt from Bella, an app that connects venues with customers looking for food, drink and entertainment specials across town. It's also an app that's got the attention of the world's largest soft drink company. We're going to deep dive into how they got started, where the idea came from and some of the challenges that startups and entrepreneurs face when coming up with their next big idea. Hi, my name's Matt. And my name's Mitch. And we're on the Sprook Podcast. Welcome to the Digital Marketers Podcast. We'll talk all about marketing, branding, strategy, and advertising with industry heavyweights in Australia and around the globe. Whether you're a business owner going DIY with your marketing efforts, or you're a seasoned pro that wants to deep dive into things like SEO and SEM, we've got you covered. I'm Ry Smith from Spruik Digital. Come with me as we explore the world of digital marketing with some very special guests. Joined today in the podcast studio with the guys from Bella, Matt Giorgio. Hey, how are you? And Mitchell Stapleton Curie. Have I got that right? You have. Thank you, Ray. No worries at all. I always struggle. Um, welcome, guys. Um, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about your app and uh, what it's all about? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so, Bella's basically um, a dynamic promotions platform for the hospitality industry. The key thing that we're trying to do with this app, I suppose, is empower venues to promote themselves with a little bit more freedom. Um, the problem we're trying to address, I suppose, is that there are a lot of options for venues to get their name out there and to promote themselves with specials and incentives and all kinds of inducements. But too often we feel like they fall on deaf ears. Social media isn't quite as effective as it used to be. Um, established deals platforms are very restrictive in the way that they allow venues to promote themselves. You know, they always tell venues in advance what they must offer, what sort of product combinations, what percentage margin cut they're going to take. Um, and so it just doesn't really pander very well to the dynamic and fluid nature of the industry. And this was something that Matt and I experienced firsthand when we were working as bartenders for many years. So we thought, why not try and solve that problem? Um, Bella, from a technical point of view, is think of it as sort of like a digital chalkboard. You know, venues have the opportunity to promote whatever they like at whatever time of day or night, at whatever price point to whoever they like for however long they like. It's it, the, all of the power is in their hands. So it could be a cocktail special one night, it might be live music the next night, um, and the possibilities are endless. And then all of that can be um, realized in a tangible sense by a sale because we're also a cashless marketplace. So we facilitate a direct purchase from our users, um, cashless revenue back into the venue's bank account and we drive more foot traffic into the venue as well. And you're talking about the $10 pints that I was buying on Friday night, aren't you? When you're talking about cashless transactions? I think they might have been jugs actually. Jugs, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were a few of those. <laughs> I guess my biggest question is how did you guys validate? How did you guys validate your concept in the first instance? <clears throat> well, we didn't. You know, that's been a um, we've learned how to do this startup thing over the last couple of years. So it's it's kind of counterintuitive to what Matt said. But the way we went out to the investment community initially is we got our quote for 200K um, and we wrote it up into our financials. And then we went around town shouting from the hills like, 
oh, we're, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. People don't engage with shit apps anymore. You know, we're going to sp- we're going to go all out. It's going to be iOS. It's going to be Android. We're going to have an app for the venue too. We're going to spend all this money and it's going to be the coolest thing ever. And then we were smacked down pretty hardcore when we eventually made our way into the startup community and realized that's not how you do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so we learned that through the process of just engaging with um, a community that we hadn't previously and then fortunately we were able to well <laughs> we were constrained by budget so we couldn't have done it even if we really wanted to um, but the money that we had was probably the, the sweet spot to build an MVP and what we ended up doing and this is a lot of credit goes to Matt is um, bootstrapping you know there is so much that any person can learn by way of graphic design general technical understanding building websites there's no excuse anymore to not do it yourself it it really comes down to are you a lazy person or not how badly do you want this mm-hmm. and um, you know Matt is the technical brains trust for this business he taught himself how to build websites he taught himself how to design products do UX do UI um, full customer experience end to end we we really built the whole thing from a conceptual point of view like uh, wireframes and proof of concept before we had even incorporated a company or spent a dollar um, save for a little bit of printing you know and that was it and so that's kind of if we had if we ever made another app or if we ever start a new business that's definitely the way to go is just do as much as you can and go as far as you can First, before you take any investment, it'll push up your valuation before you have to take that first bit of seed capital um, and it'll prove to people that you're serious and it'll also help you to believe in what you're doing because you'll get so far, you know, without actually needing to take the plunge. Yeah, and I, I think if, if more app ideas and, and entrepreneurs uh, took a page out of your book, I think they'd save themselves a lot of a lot of heartache and a lot of uh, cash. A lot of, a lot of cash, <laughs> yeah. yeah a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of mum or dad's money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. No, excellent, guys. Um, so you're talking before about um, getting people out of their home, into the venues. You've spoken a little bit about your background and experience in bartending, um, having that industry knowledge. Where did the idea stem from? What was the aha moment that you guys had? Um, when you spend seven years behind uh, behind the bar and, and, you know, restaurants working within the industry, um, you really do see the honest truth. And for me, that was fundamentally quite apparent when Fridays and Saturdays were really the only times that we felt that we were under the pump and that the business was making money. And that's just the like the God honest truth. Um, you know, there are constantly times when the business is open and it is blatantly clear that they're not making any money at all. Um, and I think fundamentally that, that comes down to a lot of small business living in somewhat of a bubble and feeling as though that people know about their brand, they know about their offering, they know about their restaurant or bar and what they what they do and what their gimmick is. But fundamentally, they don't. <laughs> and I, I feel that a thousand likes on Facebook or, you know, a few Instagram followers these days uh, doesn't translate at all. Um, and the idea came when I was sitting in a bar um, and fundamentally, I was watching the the hotel across the road and it was packed. And this was a Wednesday night. We had a gorgeous jazz band on. There was two people in our restaurant, no one drinking at all. And 
across the road had nothing on. Um, and I, it was just frustrating to me because at that moment, I would have offered anything to get people across the road. Um, but I had no means to do so. And what was I meant to do? Write on a chalkboard and go and, you know, put it inside the other person's venue and, and hope that people would come in or, you know, post something on Facebook that had reached 2% of my audience, post a nice story on Instagram that no one would look at. You know, the options just weren't there. Um, and Bella provides a tool where you can reach people directly um, mm-hmm. in real time. So it's, it's really an alternative marketing tool to reach an engaged audience. So you generally find that most people who download the app have an interest in going out and having a drink and socializing with their friends so from a business's perspective and a I guess a marketing sense you've got that audience there already yeah the way i like to think about it is that social media wasn't built for businesses to market themselves it was built for connecting people um businesses need a whole new set of tools to be able to best capitalize on current and future patrons Um, and i think that that fundamentally comes down to sales so we'll not just build an alternate platform but a a more dedicated platform for small business and that entire uh, and that fundamentally um, involves having a tangible roi so not just telling people about what you're doing tonight but also attaching a price tag and uh, trying to drive sales. Yeah, so you've also got the transaction piece within the app. It's not just pretty photos or pretty deals. It's people can purchase and secure their deal, uh, what's on in town within your app as well. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Um, You've got to define what's different about what we do versus huge social media giants. And our thing was always venues are spending thousands and thousands of dollars sponsoring content. Um, and all they get is a few clicks and a few likes. So why not spend way less money in a marketplace where you could actually get a payment in your bank account every week from another channel? Rather than Uber sending you a bill for 30 or 40% every week, what, how about just a deposit? You know, That's kind of what we're trying to do. Um, and not only that, but putting in one more person in your venue translates to more business. It's, um, it's like... What are they? It, Jordan Peterson has this thing. He talks about the predo disposition. I think that's how, how he says it. That's Sorry, it. I watch too many Joe Rogan podcasts, <laughs> but here we go. But he, it's about the more momentum you gain, the more you gain. And it just spins up and up like that. And hospitality. Exactly. Mm. Hospitality is like that. We used to have things where on a Friday night, the cocktail bar that I would work at would be dead and the rest of Rundle Street would be flat out. And my bar manager used to say, if only we could get 10 people in here having a drink. That's all it would take because once you've got the 10, then people walk past, they see the nice open windows, they see the bartender shaking up a cocktail, and then another few will trickle in. And then it just starts to gain more and more capacity until all of a sudden you've got a queue. And every venue in the industry wants that queue because that means you're in demand, you're shit hot, and that's what you're going for. But, you know, they need a way of actually incentivizing that to happen in the first place. So it wasn't about, oh, let's sell every single one of our drinks through this app. It's like, use this as a way to drag the first 10 people into your venue. Um, And that's it. Then we've done our job, you know? No one wants to eat at a empty restaurant. Mm. Nice. So it's really using it as the hook. Well, it's the it's the real time notification. It's 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 about knowing what's happening in a city right now, uh, not you know in a Facebook event that will happen in three weeks. It's like what is happening right now. Where is that fringe event? Where like physically in the world is the stage? 
um, you know, where can I get a cocktail in one of the in the RCC or in 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 an event? Where where can I go? Um, and and that's what we're trying to solve. One of our mentors actually used to say that he thinks Bella is kind of like a blend between the entertainment book and Snapchat. And the reason for that is because we obviously have the offering directly from venues. But one thing the listeners might want to know about Bella is that any offer in our network is only available for a maximum of 24 hours. So it's real time. It's ephemeral. The venue posts it and it will be in our app for between one and 24 hours and then it disappears again. So whenever you open it up, whatever you're looking at is very relevant it's only recently been posted and the venue's expecting you to come in and claim it rather rather than things sitting in a in a network collecting dust for months and months you know and then it loses its relevance and it loses that sort of wow factor that people are looking for Mm, uh, that's been my experience so far with it too as opposed to some other apps where you've claimed a deal you go up and cash it in and you know, the person behind the bar looks at you like you've got two heads and goes, well, hang on, what, what deal are you talking about? It actually takes the gloss off the whole experience, whereas in sort of the instances I've used your app to get my $10 jug of beer, people have known behind the bar, they know exactly what's happening, show the phone and away you go. So I've just found the whole process to be really seamless. So how important is that for you? from that end to end you're talking about customer experience customer journey that final part where you might not be able to control if there's people with apps in in that two-sided marketplace um what what would be your tips is it is it a training thing to make sure that there's that customer service i suppose at the end of the day yeah definitely um firstly let me say i'm flattered uh (laughs) that you uh have uh enjoyed your experience um it's a huge pain point uh we still haven't figured out how to adequately get someone to pull out their phone and use a digital coupon and, and look cool. Um, you know, it, it's a difficult problem to solve. Um, you know, fundamentally, we're moving towards payments on on digital devices, um, but it's people still inherently feel uncomfortable about doing so. Uh, we take a lot of effort in educating the venues themselves on how to use the product and what we found is that once a once the bar staff or you know one of the the waiters or floor staff have used the product they find how seamless it is they don't have to go and grab an atm deal with cash count coins or anything like that no you know physical receipts and they love it so you know we take a lot of pride in how much effort we put into upskill the venues but it's inherently uh, quite intuitive uh, you know if you follow the steps on the phone it's a couple of touches and before you know it you know you've got your tax invoice and and your jug of beer in front of you so it's it's incredibly important to make that seamless um, and I think a lot of other applications make it quite difficult too many touches um, you know having to you know put in punch in secret codes and and you know make sure the manager sees something first and put it on the till at the same time and interact with pause and you know we're trying to clear as much friction as possible Mm. yeah in hospitality it's all about volume you know if you've got two or three bartenders on and the bar is five deep you might have a venue full of people but the revenue only comes in as fast as those three bartenders can process sales and make drinks and making a good drink takes time too so you've got to take as much time out of the actual transactional part of the experience as possible now when you use Bella to redeem an offer. It's definitely faster than using uh, 
FOS. You don't have to wait for any transaction to go through. It's all handled in the background. Um, the, the user themselves actually claims the offer ahead of time. So it's literally walk up to the bar, show it at the bar. The bartender presses two buttons and it's done. That's it. So you can turn over volume as a venue much faster using using our app than if you were taking payments with cash or via FPOS. And that is a big part of it as well, which the, the venues, once they start to use it and they start to understand that, they really, they really like that about it. So you guys have got a really good established following in Adelaide where you first started. Obviously, with everything happening with Amateur in Sydney at the moment, that's really exciting for you guys. If I'm a venue in Brisbane or Melbourne or Sydney, how do I get involved? Yeah, well, a big thing for us originally and continues to be is that we always wanted to make this as accessible as possible. So the onboarding process for a venue is very simple. There's no additional hardware. There's no pause integration, as Matt said. Um, We can activate any venue around the country in a matter of minutes. So for us, it's more about picking the markets that we want to focus our expansion on carefully. We have a strong relationship with um, a large team of, uh, we have some investors and also some strategic partners out in Sydney. Um, So Sydney is a key market for us. And also we're really passionate about trying to, um, I suppose, engender a little bit more sociability over there after they've been hit pretty hard with lockout laws for the last few years. Um, But Melbourne's another key market as well. But with that being said, any venue around the country can contact us through our website or through social media, and we'd be able to set them up quite quickly. They'd be able to use the platform um, themselves uh, within you know, a matter of moments. And what it comes down to is that even if we're not focusing intently on your market, let's say you're a small bar in Canberra and we're not really focusing on rolling out in Canberra in a big way, probably until sort of second half of next year, if not maybe a bit longer. But if a venue themselves is looking for a technology solution to unite their their VIPs to unite their regular customers and they want to be able to market to them through an app, then they are able to take on the responsibility of promoting it to their own customers and they can use the technology no problems. So talking about the VIP angle, I know uh, you've launched a very special, um, it's almost like a club now, um, the yeah Adelaide Hospo Club where people can enter a code into the app and then get specific deals, um, what if they're hospitality staff? Yeah, um, this is a really interesting thing that we've been doing which has actually probably been more successful than anything else we've tried You know, in the process of trying to grow. And again, it comes down to industry insights. Um, It's a very common thing within hospitality that if you work in the industry, then you'll receive some sort of discount or incentive at other venues. It's a way of everybody rallying behind each other who work in hospitality. And it's a recognition of the fact that when you do work at these venues, you often give up your weekends so that other people can have a good time. So, you know, it's this nice little thing that you can access as a, as a venue staff member. And a lot of the time, um, venues will provide it to anyone who shows a responsible service of alcohol card or if they can produce a pay slip that shows that they work at a venue, both of which are a pain in the ass to carry around and people don't bother. So what we've found is while these incentives exist, no one's aggregated them. No one's come up with a slick way to promote them within a network. And so staff members generally will just gravitate around the venue that they work at because they know they're going to get looked after there. They know everyone who works there. So they don't really venture out even when they have a a night off. Um, And Matt and I experienced this both, you know, at working at different venues. Um, 
and we knew it was a big thing. The venues already offer these these discounts or these incentives, but they're not reaching anyone. And we thought, well, you know, we have a promotions platform, which is um, a nice, comfortable app-based solution to promote venues around town. Why don't we find a way to integrate HOSPO discounts into our app? Um, so it had. To, it was very important that it would be that it would be exclusive because these are not available to every old other person around. You know, it has to be relative only to hospitality workers. Um, and so we piggybacked it off the loyalty side of the platform that we've been using with Amatil and um, other entities to run loyalty programs. So the way this works is when you open up the app, you know, the map that you see. Uh, the offers and the content that's available to everyone, broadly speaking. But behind that, there, there exists all of this other content, which is only accessible by on an invite-only basis. Um, and we thought, how can we sort of use this platform to promote HOSPO discounts? So we created our own loyalty program called HOSPO Club. HOSPO Club is the place to aggregate HOSPO discounts in a given city. We've launched it in Adelaide and Sydney and Melbourne at this point. And so basically the way it works is venues come on board and they say, yeah, we offer a HOSPO discount. We do $5 pints or we do 10% off at the bar or this, that or whatever. It can be whatever they like. Um, we promote it for them for free on the app. We don't charge anything for it. And then we also invite all of the members of their venue staff network to join the club as well with a unique code, which is sort of something that we provide for, uh, to allow them to join. And then we also go out more broadly to the hospital community and say, if you work at a venue, doesn't matter whether they're participating and offering their own content, but you're welcome to join the club too. So send us your pay slip. We'll look at it once verify you to make sure you do work in the industry and then we'll send you a membership too and what this means for our hospital club members um, is they're able to use the app whenever they're out and about to access discount at tens and tens and tens of venues around town rather than just being confined to their own sort of hyper local area and a nice sort of flow on effect that we've noticed is it's put our app in the hands of hospital professionals. It's given them a real incentive to look at it, to use it and to understand its value proposition. And then they're now promoting it to their venues from a general consumer point of view as well, because they understand what it can do and the power that it does bring to a venue. So it's been a really interesting little experiment. Mm. We're looking forward to rolling it out in a bigger way next year. Yeah, fantastic. I think there's real power in that uh, advocacy as well having the industry really back it see what it's all about and you know really promote it to the to the venue owners so just on that we you're speaking a little bit about loyalty so we all know how valuable Qantas's frequent flyer program is you can see hotel loyalty programs rolled out across the board is this a way for smaller venues to almost have their own i guess loyalty club as well yeah definitely that's it's funny like we never envisioned that when we started, but it has become a huge part of what we now are seeking to do. Um, we offer any venue or any group of venues or any brand or any corporate or any other business the opportunity to create their own invite-only loyalty program to unite their staff members, to incentivize their VIPs, to rally their brand ambassadors around a specific product. The, the, the really the, the best thing about it is we've built this platform to be so customizable. And so we've found as we've pivoted and as we've sort of adapted and understood more about the market, we can apply it in so many ways. And so Hospital Club's one loyalty program, we're running um, a loyalty program for a law firm in Adelaide CBD next year where they're looking to connect their staff members with small businesses 
around their office vicinity who want to offer coffee and muffin or knockoff drinks, you know, and that's like way out of hospitality, but we're still able to apply it in a hospitality context. And these small businesses are going to access 200, 300 lawyers that work in the CBD and they can now market directly to them. So that is the roadmap for us. It, it scales our network passively in the background, but it also helps to solve all of these different problems for, for various businesses. Yeah, we found the key insight that instigated this whole movement is that venues have quite a persona uh, that they like to, you know, an appearance that they they want to put up front. Um, and they don't want to be seen as offering specials and discounts all the time, especially these, uh, you know, quite fancy cocktail bars and what have you, and, and nor should they. Uh, but behind the veil of a loyalty program, whereby not everybody can access, then they're willing to incentivize as any venue would or should. Um, and that's what we're really capitalizing on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fantastic. So talking about your business journey, it's it's been quite a ride over the last 18 months. I'm going to ask this of both of you. What's been your biggest challenge or lesson learned so far on, on the Bella journey? You can start. <laughs> um, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because we've had a crazy year. Probably the craziest on record was 2018 for good and crazy reasons. Say crazy because I don't want to say bad, <laughs> but like it's tough. I think I think that in the startup community, we need to get better at talking about the reality of what it's like to start a business. Um, there's a real impetus to only celebrate wins. Um, which is kind of ironic because such a big part of startup life is about failing as well. Um, and in a sort of a scientific way, you're supposed to view your failures as still breaking new ground and learning. Um, but it, it's quite painful because it's not like when a biologist works out that one chemical element doesn't do what they thought it would. You know, that's still breaking new ground. Whereas as a startup founder, you're holding yourself out and saying, I think this product is good for the world. And if people don't say that they agree with you, then it kind of attacks your pride in a way. So um, I think the biggest thing for me has been persistence and focusing on trying to be resilient as well. You know, I take a, a lot of the responsibility on the sales front, interacting with a lot of venues, and um, it is a tough slog to convince venues to interact and integrate with new technologies when they've been let down plenty of times in the past. Lots of apps in this space have come and gone and we constantly deal with this um, stigma, I suppose, which has been left for us to deal with. But that's okay because I really honestly believe that we have the best solution to this problem. But it really comes down to resilience. And there have been a few times in the year where I've probably said to Matt, you know what? I don't think I could handle anything else on my plate right now. I really think that I am a completely saturated sponge. And then something else happens and you're like, all right, I'll just do that too, you know? So uh, that has been my learning is that when you think that you're at capacity, you're not. You can always do more and just, you know, take a deep breath, suck it up and keep going. Yeah, great. Um, <clears throat> Um, I feel very similar to what Mitchell said. I, I honestly believe that what I didn't understand in the beginning was how capable I and our team, Mitchell especially, uh, were. Um, you can achieve so much by dedicating yourself. 
But importantly, you have to take the time to step away um, and you get so much perspective from taking a few minutes a, a day, uh, taking a day off here and there and not just plunging yourself um, into the problem and, and trying to solve every problem yourself. Uh, seek help. Mentors are so incredibly valuable and you need to take advantage of them. Um, someone who's lived this before can have so much more foresight uh, than you can because you're going to constantly run into, you know, problems that you you, you didn't even think were possible. Um, and sometimes you just really need some help and, and a bit of a guiding light. Um, for me, I personally believe that networking is incredibly valuable as well. You need to be a part of the community. You need to read as many medium blogs, get on LinkedIn, uh, podcasting, you know, try and organize yourself quite healthily. Make sure you apply time to go to the gym and, and you know, take care of yourself. Don't drink 100 coffees a day um, because your mental state is the most important part. And I think that it's glorified to spend, you know, hundreds of hours in the office, but uh, I think that a balanced life produces better work. So that's something that I wish I was more prepared for in the beginning. I think you've touched on something really, um, really, really important there and something that I'm really passionate about too is that mental health aspect of it. And I think the whole notion of working until you can't work anymore and this whole hustle mentality, I've been saying this now for a few years, that I think it's absolutely crap. Uh, I think it's at complete odds with how we are as as humans and pushing yourself to that brink of burnout isn't healthy at all. So I love the fact that there's so much more talk now about mental health and looking after yourself and everybody's got a different way of coping with stress, uh, building that resilience. I mean, for me, it's going down to the beach on a Monday night and trying to start my week off week off right. For you guys, do you have any when when you're really feeling like the backs your backs up against the wall? Um, and I, and again, I think this is really cool talking about it. You know, as as guys, especially on on a topic that I think we don't talk enough about. What are some of the things that you guys do to really? Um, I'll throw it back to throw it back to Matt. I mean, you know, when you know when you when you are in the midst of craziness and things aren't going right, you've had your 12th knockback for the week, you've found 20 new bugs in the app. How do you, how do you how do you personally handle that? Well, I uh, honestly can admit that I suffer from, you know, a small case of anxiety. So it was very important from early on for me to figure this out. Um, look, I'm going to be blatantly honest. I go and shoot basketball hoops. I go and do something that's incredibly repetitive and mindless and I listen to hip hop music and I turn off notifications on my phone. That's that's my getaway. Mm -hmm. um, you can spend, for me, because it's a skill that you have to repetitively do and you can actually get attainable results whereby you get better, you know, you can see the ball go through the hoop more times. It's repetitive in nature, but it's also incredibly time consuming and requires 100% focus because if you're not focused, then you're missing. So that's my my little trick is to uh, find something physical, uh, turn the music up as loud as you can and uh, turn off notifications so you don't get any more Just bad news. switch off. Yeah, yeah I love it. That's yeah. excellent. How about you, Mitch? Yeah, like... um. What it, I think our job is not physically demanding at all. You know, it's a lot of sitting down, a lot of 
sitting at meetings, a lot of talking. It's mentally exhausting. So I try and reverse that as much as I can and do something physically exhausting. Um, Matt was saying like make time for the gym. You know, we always, Matt and I make a real point of trying to do some exercise every day. My thing is uh, martial arts. I've been doing martial arts for many years and, you know, Hitting the bag is something that really gets my anxiety out, my stress out. So, you know, I go and, and see the crew at my club and we'll do do some training. Um, I ride my bike everywhere, so I just go for a huge ride. And, and I think actually now I'm thinking about it, the biggest thing for me is getting outside as well, you know, getting outside. Yeah, getting that sun on your skin and like breathing air that's crisp and clean. So, you know, fortunately living in, in the Adelaide Hills, we are spoiled for choice when it comes to... <laughs> Gorgeous bushwalks that yeah. are 15, 20 minute drive from the city. So um, I'll definitely jump in the car, go for a short drive and go and clear my head out in nature. That tends to always recalibrate me to the point where I can go back and face it all again, you know? Yeah, that's, that's a great perspective, guys. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. I know it's a pretty pretty personal thing, but again, it's uh, it's good to know that- What do you do, right? <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> hey, hey, no, look, long walks along the beach, getting caught in the rain. <laughs> um, look, I think you're right on with the physical stuff as well. Thanks, guys, for coming on the show. Um, been really good learning about Bella um, and obviously your own personal journey. So thank you very much again for uh, popping on the show. Yeah, guys, if you're interested in checking out Bella, it's um, obscurely spelt. So go for B-E-L-L-R and uh, get us on, on the website, .com.au, social media, uh, or just on the App Store. We're on iOS and Android, and we'd love to have you on board. We're not going to do the Sprook podcast at the same time. What do you want to <laughs> do? You want to medley it? No. You just say the Sprook podcast bit. So you go like, hey, I'm Matt. And I'll be like, and I'm Mitch. And you'll be like, and we're on the Sprook podcast. No, no you do that bit. Oh, fine. All right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be weird to throw okay, it back. Okay, fine. And yeah, right. that's the outro. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> well, this is how we bicker. We spend 15 hours a day with each other. <laughs> Hi, my name's Matt. And my name's Mitch. And we're on the Sprook podcast. So in this episode, we covered off with the guys from Bella, both Mitch and Matt, and what it is to be a startup founder and what it's like to build a product from the ground up. One of the biggest takeaways for me and something that I have a talk to a lot of people about is the importance of building an MVP, so minimum viable product. And the big thing with this is making sure that you're not wasting money on the initial product when your business idea or the business concept, the business model hasn't even been proven. So I've always been a big fan of building something light and getting customers to use your product early and getting that validation into those early stages, which again is what Bella did. So their success with Coca-Cola, Amatil and the popularity of their app to date has really stemmed from the fact that they've tested, they've validated their idea with the market and really used that to enhance the product moving forward. Another interesting point that we all covered off on was the use of apps and technology as a different channel for digital marketing. So we all know about social media, we all know about Google Ads, we all know about the importance of having a really good website, but there's very few businesses actually using some of these new apps on the scene to market their product or market their services or their specials. And Bella gives businesses a platform to do exactly that. 
It's a cheap form of advertising in the way of product. It gives people and businesses the exposure that they're after. And it's not just confined to food and drink. So I know that I've used the Bella app quite a few times. There's an entertainment tab down the bottom. So I know that I'll be using it come Adelaide Fringe time, just as an example. And any business who really does compete or runs a business in this space, I think need to look at these apps as a alternative form of advertising. As costs increase across Google and Facebook, this really is a space that I think is set for quite a bit of movement and disruption moving forward. On our next episode, I'll be speaking to Raul from a business called Conversionary based in Melbourne. I'm Raul from Conversionary and I'm on the Spruik podcast. Raul works on conversion rate optimization or what's called CRO and we'll deep dive and explore how e-commerce retailers can improve their conversion rate following three simple things. You got some good questions there, mate. I'm Ryan Smith, helping you stay on top of your digital marketing game. If you had any questions or queries, feel free to reach out at rye at spruikdigital.com.au or visit our website at www.spruikdigital.com.au. Subscribe to the Spruik Digital podcast for free on iTunes or Spotify.